Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Well, time is ticking and Christmas is drawing nearer. If you go out shopping now, there's a lot of people out, even though we are in a so-called pandemic. Um, But the dash to get the gifts is on. Uh, We were out, I think it was either Friday or Saturday, Saturday, and you could tell. No, it was actually Sunday. Yeah. and you could tell people were realizing this is the second to last weekend before Christmas. Right. So we were out Saturday, and it was pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. so you know. It was kind of cool. It yeah, kinda it really see. was. It was a good feeling, yep. kind of a, a – Had to wait in line a few places to yep, get in. But. Yep, so it was a good feeling to be out there. But however, we want to turn our attention today to another character of Christmas, uh, which is Mary. Um, what we are going to see in Mary is this idea of the gift of grace. Now, if you've been following along in our characters of Christmas series, we've talked about Herod, we've talked about Joseph. One of the things I want to clarify to our listeners, I think I said in our last ap- episode that, or I may have communicated in a way in the scriptural passage that Joseph came or Herod came before Joseph, and that's just, I was wrong. That was a clerical error on my part, so just clarifying that. But we're going to be in Luke. Luke 1, 26-55, and we're going to be talking about Mary today, and this idea of the gift of grace and how she shows this idea of the gift of grace uh, when it comes to Mary. Um, three things we want to see today. Mary was surprised by grace. Mary was submissive to grace. And Mary was satisfied by grace. So let's jump in here. Mary was surprised by grace. Why was she surprised? Well, she was surprised for two particular reasons, or two particular things about Mary uh, that we'll see here in just a moment, and uh, that show us that grace was not a part of her natural makeup. There is in a Catholic prayer uh, the phrase, Hail Mary, full of grace, the idea of Mary being full of grace, whereas the King James, New King James say that she was highly favored. The um, literal translation, uh, not a bad translation, is much graced. Hmm. Um, Well, we see two things about Mary that show us that she's like one of us. You know, she is one of us as a human being. One is that she was a recipient and not a source or a receiver and not a source of grace. And this is a good distinction in light of what you're talking about in regards to Catholicism. where it's almost like she's a giver of grace, right? She's not a somehow of possessed grace. grace. Yeah. Well, and then you get into the whole doctrine of uh, immaculate conception that right. Mary was immaculately conceived. She goes back; she's a product of a long line of immaculate conceptions. There could be no sin in her, right. or else she couldn't have borne the incarnate Son of God. But, um, but what we see is when when she she um, grace is is the the the, the work of grace. The uh, bestowal of grace and the giving of grace in this whole event, it catches her completely off guard. Yeah, I mean, you can tell in the narrative she's pretty surprised. Yes, yes. this is not a woman who knew that she was immaculately conceived and born in order to bear God. You know, this is a woman who is approached by the heavenly messenger, and uh, the messenger says, Hail thou who art highly favored. Hail would have just been... A greeting, and um, um, and so 
when it says she's highly favored in the New King James, uh, and I think that's a fairly common translation in yeah. most translations, uh, she was much graced. She's the one being graced, being given grace. And she's given grace for this task. It's not that she possesses it in any sense. So she's a receiver of grace, just like us. In salvation, we are receivers. We're the recipients of grace. We're not the. We're not in any way possessed of anything that deserves that. In fact, grace is free and it's undeserved by its very nature. Well, I mean, very much like Joseph, uh, we see ourselves in Joseph. I think we see ourselves in Mary in this idea of receiving grace. Um, you know, I mean, I, I really do think we can can kind of identify. In well, a way. if you if you look at salvation, we're all surprised by grace. Yeah. You know, it's. Uh, it's not like we're going looking for, thinking we deserve some work of God in salvation. Grace grabs us, tackles right. us, so to right. speak, and brings us to Christ. And and so uh, she is the receiver, a recipient of grace. But we also see this illustrated in the fact that she's a rejoicer and not a giver of grace. Similar, but uh, when we see her rejoicing in the grace of God in this passage, first, she's just surprised. She's amazed. And we'll see more of that in the Magnificat in her song later. Uh, but uh, what you see is a woman, a young woman, perhaps in her mid-teens, who rejoices <laughs> you know, uh, why me almost, you know, how has this happened? So we have a woman, that's, which we should be. Again, go back that's to That's what her. I was going to ask. Is this uh, indicative of what our response should be when we receive God's grace or we understand God's grace upon us? Right, and I think Christmas is a time to rejoice in the grace of God. We rejoice, it's almost like... Uh, well, Christ has come. Yeah, but you know, it's almost like rejoice is kind of a... Rejoicing is kind of a, a almost a cliche when it comes to Christmas. Oh, choirs and carolers, and you know, without many people, most people, I think, don't stop to think what we're rejoicing about. It's kind of like Thanksgiving. People, well, they're thankful. We, it's a time to be thankful. Thankful for what? For or what to who? and to whom? Right. Yeah. Gratitude indicates that you are, you it has a. Um, Someone to whom you're giving that gratitude, you're recognizing, right. and in in the same way, rejoicing indicates that there is something to rejoice about. There's something that has happened that is worthy of our praise and our rejoicing, and we see that in in that you know I don't like saying the first Christmas, but the incarnation yeah. story, uh, which is what Christmas is about, the incarnation. We see a woman rejoicing because she has received grace for a task that she would never have thought. So she was surprised by grace, but kind of moving along in the narrative, um, she just wasn't surprised. She she was submissive to grace. I mean, to me, this is where we kind of see a hinge point because she could have responded two ways, humanly speaking. She could have been like, no, no I, first of all, not me. and There's no way I can do this, and I'm not going to do this, or I don't believe you, which she didn't. Or it could just be simple doubt that this is not even possible. Well, she says that, actually. How can this be? <laughs> but it's interesting. She says she's doubting, but yet if you look at Zechariah and you go back and read Zechariah and he asks questions and they say he's doubting, but the Scripture doesn't say she is doubting. No, she just is more or less overwhelmed at the thought. Right. So there is a difference. Even though we're not looking at Zechariah and we could this Christmas season as a character, Right. as I was reading through that and kind of prepping, there's a stark contrast. Both ask questions. One was doubting, one was not. So I, I just find that really right. fascinating. Yeah. I, I don't know if we're to read into that. There was a measure of actual doubt 
that needed to be corrected or what. But anyway, that's another yeah. story. But um, but she was submissive to grace that was upon her. Yeah, and she was submissive to the work of God in her life. If you look at verse um, 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have not known a man? And we know that that means she hadn't known a man sexually. Right. She was a virgin. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest law will shatter you. And that thing that is in you shall be called the Son of God. And then uh, he explains what's happening with Elizabeth, which was her cousin, and uh, and nothing is impossible with God. But here's a woman who is surprised by the work of God to do something that sounds preposterous, and she's um, she is altogether overwhelmed, but she is submissive uh, to the work of God, whatever that means. She's just thinking, I don't see how this is possible, but certainly is possible, and which means, in second place, that she's submissive to the will of God for her future. Now, which that's I've, the biggie. I find that very applicable, and the reason for that is is because the will of God, I think Christians get really focused upon the will of God, but then when it comes, we don't really want it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we know we walk by faith. So when it's revealed to us and something happens that we didn't know was going to happen, but now it's obviously the will of God, it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not really cool with this. Why are you right. doing this, God? But we, we, we said we wanted the will of God, your will be done. It's especially so when things happen that we think ought not to happen. I mean, we could just with the, for at least for many people, uh, what just recently happened in the elections, you know. Right. Um, and. And that's just an illustration, but many things in life, things that happen that ought not to happen. But she says, uh, it says that Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. So she she pictures herself as a maidservant, not as anything worthy. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left. So here she's committing her future. Now, that's significant because what's going to happen with Mary is there will always be a shadow, mm. a, a suspicion right. over her Which we life. talked about in Joseph and really we brought did. that out. Yeah. And now here it is with Mary. Here's a, a woman who's going to carry a child that doesn't have a husband, or she has a husband, but word gets around, oh, this is he's not the daddy. Yeah. Before social media, gossip was still a thing. Yeah, there was, <laughs> yeah word still got around. Yeah. And right. They didn't, have, they didn't even have telephones, but, you know. Right. So, um, so here's a woman who had to have at least had some understanding that this was going to not be an easy road, and she submitted to it. You know, when I think about this idea of submission, I also think about just all of the characters we've looked at, and in reading the nativity story, the nativity narrative, people like Zachariah, Simeon, Anna, ones we haven't even talked about, mm -hmm. and you throw Joseph and Herod and mm -hmm. Mary and all of these, and the ones that you see who actually embrace this, the wise men, the shepherd, the wise men weren't even Jews. Right. When I see all of this, it really stands out to me the people who embraced all of this. And we're obviously talking about Mary, of all people, embraced mm -hmm. this. Right. When you think of all the learned people in Israel, you think of the, the Pharisees, um, the Sadducees, anyone in Israel would have grown up learning about this coming Messiah. They would have known what the scriptures right. said. Because of the culture and how they taught their young people these things. And yet these are the people who embraced. I, I find that completely fascinating and I think it has incredible implications for our lives because we at the same time are 
can be we were kind of dumbfounded why was i chosen right why, why am do I? I believe? Why do I believe? People hear the same gospel, the same explanations, yeah. and some will say, well, you were raised in a Christian family, but that's not always true. But some weren't. I know brothers in our church and sisters who weren't. Yeah. We've had people come to Pastor Christ Summit who weren't, and yet they're, they, they follow Christ now. I, I find that incredibly significant. Yeah, it is significant. Uh, as we think of Christmas, think of all the people who don't see the reality of Christmas, right. the reality of the Incarnation. In fact, there are more and more in our society that is less and less Christian. More they put major scenes out in their yard, but they really don't it's know just the part implications. Of the tradition. Right. Yeah, they don't see the significance of the Son of God. And you talked about how, how many of these people were said they're just. Yeah. They're just. The term just is used. Yeah. Um, we see that we're going to see that in, in a later character, but certainly um, – Elizabeth Zechariah, Anna, uh, and then as we will see next time, uh, Simeon, just, Joseph, just, righteous. They were in right standing with God. Okay, so we're talking about Mary was surprised by grace. She was submissive to grace. But finally, Mary was satisfied by grace. What, what do you mean by that? I, I, I see that in the narrative the submissiveness, the surpriseness. I mean, she's obviously kind of thrown back that she would be chosen of all people. But what do we mean by this idea of satisfaction? Um Satisfaction in the supreme sense. I think of the Psalm, Psalm 63, when David says, My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. You notice how David relates satisfaction to praise. You know, it, the one thing that should be true of the mm. Christian is contentment with Christ, contentment in Christ, satisfaction with Christ that he is sufficient, that he is enough. And we see Mary with this sense of satisfaction, of contentment. You see it especially in the Magnificat that is called the, the song that she sings that that is kind of ushers from her heart comes from her heart after all this. This is her expression of satisfaction with the work of God, with the grace of God, this expression of grace that is so now real to her. So I guess that begs to ask or to wonder as we are singing the Christmas carols, as we are thinking about Christmas, as we're thinking about Christ coming, dying, raising again, does it beg a satisfaction that we should feel that we as believers right now looking at this story this narrative does it beg us to be satisfied again afresh yeah i think so it's interesting sometimes you'll hear preachers who are um grieved over the prospects of the church over the the direction the church has taken that people have to be entertained that they have to have lots of programs and they'll ask the question what if all you had was jesus and the word of god Mm-hmm. You know, it's a common no, application. Even if you didn't have instruments, you know, just and you could just would would that be enough? If we didn't have the stuff, the stuff that surrounds that we've become so used to, and what Mary probably Mary was probably not well off. Mm-hmm. She certainly wasn't from uh, from any kind of lineage that would have been. Wealthy and Joseph was a carpenter, right. so at least he became a carpenter. We don't know what he was at this time, and um, so here's a woman who expresses joy, satisfaction through praise when she says, "My soul magnifies the Lord." So we see her satisfaction, how she magnified the Lord. 
my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in Christ and God. I mean, God, my Savior, ah, and her Savior. She, by the way, there's there's a revisit of that old idea that she needed a Savior. She saw herself in need of a Savior. Mm-hmm. She didn't see herself as one who could save or give any kind of saving grace. But so her satisfaction. This this is a, a worthy question. Um, do we find such satisfaction in Christ, in the Lord, in our Heavenly Father, in the goodness of God, in salvation itself, and all the graces that He bestows upon us? The many graces that we know are ours are gifts of God that that really Christmas and its every carol, every hymn that has to do with Christmas now becomes sort of our magnificent, <laughs> you know, right. our opportunity to magnify the Lord. It's kind of, God brings to us. I mean, I know it's not a God-given holiday, but it's an opportunity for us to just um, do a little bit of what Mary did. You know, you think about the magnificent, and you read it, and I did this past week. It's really if you think about it and you let it kind of roll over you and soak it in in your mind and heart, it really begins to encourage your heart. Right. It's very joyous. You almost in your mind's eye can hear music. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, like that's just how it is when you read it. And as believers, as we read that, there's so much significance in what she's saying there. There is, and what's interesting, and the realization that she has, right? Yeah. She she has a knowledge of scripture yeah. and yeah. the promises of yeah. God, and that so, she's able to sing. So not only that we see how she magnified the Lord, but how she marveled at the Lord. She knew the Lord. She knew the truth of scripture. She knew this. This is what. Um, brought this satisfaction now comes out of her heart, which flows out of her mouth. This marveling, these next few verses, the rest of the Magnificat from verse forty-eight and following, when she, he talks about uh, the Lord has done great things, mighty things. His whole and holy is His name. His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation, and so on. I mean, we can leave it to our listeners to read that, but read it. And I would encourage him to do that. She is marveling in the Lord. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, Bob Coughlin, um, may, many may be familiar with him or not, but he's with Sovereign Grace Music. And one of the things he does is he kind of does a – and, of course, he's, he's a little bit more charismatic. So his understanding of Scripture and, and that kind of play into this, what I'm about to talk about. But it's still pretty cool what he does. He's so musically inclined and so full of Scripture that sometimes he would just sit down at the piano and play – and sing something just right off the bat. As it flows out. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, in some ways, I kind of see that with Mary. She's so full of Scripture and, and, and what she knows. And she's so surprised and rejoiced at the realization of what's about to happen or what is happening. She is marveling through song, just natural outflow of her heart. She, that's, that's what she, and, and I look at people who can't sing at church, and uh-huh. I go, how can you not sing? Right. They just don't. It's not that they can't, but they don't. Yeah. They won't. Or I something. mean, if you know Christ. How are you be quiet? How can yeah. you not rejoice? Yeah. I know. And and Mary's a worshiper. She okay? is. Okay. That's what you said before we came on. 
Mary's a worshiper. She knows she's not deserving of this incredible event, right. but she's worshiping God because she knows the grace of yeah, God. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. She sees, and then she recites this other stuff. And there does seem to be something of a spontaneity here. If you just take it at face value, I know Scripture doesn't always give us every detail of everything that happens in a particular narrative, but there does appear to be the spontaneity. So, so we have a woman, a young woman, you know, a teenager probably who is overwhelmed at the magnificence of God, and she magnifies him, and she marvels at his grace and expresses the satisfaction of her soul, much like what David said in Psalm 63, a soul satisfied with the great goodness, the great grace of God. And I think as we close this, the implication simply is, are you surprised? Are you submissive? Are you satisfied? Yeah, I you know, we love children at mm-hmm. Christmas. Now you have a child and we have a grandson and we love watching the stuff and, and going over the anticipation with him, but there's we anticipate that stuff of Christmas. We do, but there's more to that to this than that for us. Are we anticipating? Are we marveling in? Are we finding satisfaction in the greatest one of the greatest acts of history? Well, it's funny you say that because I, I, I posted on social media, but he was singing a secular Christmas song that was mm-hmm. playing in our living room. Mm-hmm. And he gets to the part about have a holly jolly Christmas, and he just belts it out. Mm-hmm. Have a holly jolly <laughs> Christmas. And he's like, you're just almost yeah. like he's jamming yeah. with it, you know. And, yeah. But because he's so excited about it that he sings with everything that he has, Yeah, that should be us. Yeah, That should be us uh-huh. as we are satisfied by the grace of God. Exactly. This Christmas. Yep, and every Christmas. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but hey, next week's going to be Simeon, so join us, and we'll look forward to talking with you next week. Christmas is a time of grace. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you can find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living. Or on Twitter, at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Crosstalk.